Good morning. That was a beautiful song. Amazing grace. Amen. Amen. I'd like to start today by telling the story about a gentleman by the name of Hubert Brown from Lincoln, Nebraska. Hubert and the love of his life of 43 years, Iris, had just left their church after hearing an amazing sermon from their pastor. And as Hubert drove down the road, it was much like today. It was a beautiful day. It was a sunny day. It was clear out. Spring was in full bloom. And Hubert, as he always did on days when there was good weather, pulled his restored 1956 Buick out of the garage and took it to church. And now they were heading for their favorite restaurant down the road a bit. And as he sat there, he just realized and was enjoying the goodness of God. That is, until he happened to turn to the love of his life and he saw that stare. And that stare was never a good one. In fact, his joy that he was experiencing full force just a moment ago had turned to utter despair because he knew that stare usually meant that he had forgotten something. And so he quickly took inventory. Had he opened the door for Iris? Yes. Had he let her be seated in the pew before him? Yes. And so it was down to a couple of things. Either he blundered in a comment or um, something else. And so as he summoned the courage, he looked at Iris and he said, Iris, what's wrong? And Iris had that glare and that look of immense disturbance at him and said, you need to ask? He said, well, yes, I'm afraid I do. She said, I can remember when we used to take this drive and we were seated next to each other. At this point, Iris was across the bench seat you know, those type of cars on the other side. And so perplexed and in need, Hubert did what any husband does when he knows he's in big time trouble. He prayed. <laughs> he no sooner prayed than God answered. It was as if the clouds opened up and the sunshine just came right down on him. And it was as if the Lord put the answer on a platter in his hands. Now, he knew he had to be careful how he transmitted the answer, that he does it humbly and softly. But he couldn't help but have this overwhelming confidence that this one time probably... He will have won the battle. 
And he looked at the love of his life of 43 years and he said, Iris, who moved? Well, she thought for a minute and then she smiled. She slid across the bench seat. He put his arm around his wife of 43 years, who now was again the love of his life, and all was well in the Brown family. Amen? Amen. Let's take a moment and pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for today. We thank you that this is a day which you have made, and we shall rejoice in it. We pray now as we open the word of God and we share the scriptures today, we pray to you, Father, in the name of your Son and in the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would minister to us, that you would bless us. We pray if there's anyone here today who's not yet discovered how much you love them, how much you care for them, even without them knowing, and how Desperately, you want to give them eternal life. We pray this would be that day. This would be the first day of the rest of their life in a wonderful relationship with you. And we pray for those of us who are believers that you would bless us, encourage us, uplift us, and let us take something from this message for your honor and your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you turn with me this morning... Our text is from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 16, 17, and 26. And I will be reading from the New American Standard. After this text, I will be reading many scriptures, but please refrain from trying to stay up and just listen to them. And if anyone wants a copy of the scriptures afterwards, they're welcome to it. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, starting in verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever, that is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and you and will be in you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. May the Lord bless the reading of his scripture this morning. The reason I told the story, I might add with a sanctified imagination, was sometimes in our personal walk with the Lord, We feel that closeness to him, and sometimes it seems, well, we're not as close as we should be. As in the case of Hubert and Iris, as always in the case of our Lord and Savior who loves us and adores us immensely, it is us who move. It is never our Savior. The moment we pray to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit immediately comes into the life of a believer. Any other doctrine is incorrect. The moment we're genuinely saved, 
that very millisecond, God comes to reside in us. And it is a blessing. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He helps us by giving us the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It is such a blessing to know the moment of conversion. Those characteristics of our God come into our life. Now, our character, however, is another story. That's a long-term process for us. But to know that the ability to have those characteristics um, is really, truly amazing. It's a wonderful list of the things we have. Some of us may have had a resemblance of one or more of those characteristics, but no one here can say that they had them all or had them in the true aspect that God gives them. Because the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, I mean, is just amazing when we, when we have our new birth in Jesus Christ. There is a joy unspeakable that we never knew before. There is a peace that surpasses understanding that all of a sudden is ours. And for so many of us, before we were saved, we had no peace. We had no peace. Our lives were in turmoil to one degree or another. It is good in this Christian walk to have a companion for our journey. And each and every Christian who is born again has one. Romans 8.14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you're truly born again, you have the Spirit of God to lead you. Now, he will lead you as long as you allow him to. He will lead no one saved if they, if they come into a state of rebellion and in sin, God will not bless that. God will let them go their way. But eventually, hopefully, they will return. They will regain their sanity and they will return to the loving relationship and companionship they have with him. He is such an encourager to us along this journey. He really is. He's there to uplift us, to inspire us. Romans 8.15, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. A very special term reserved for Christians. Abba, Father. It is a level of endearment that is not known by this present world. But we do because we appreciate our Heavenly Father, because we have been adopted. We have been adopted into the family of God, and that's a very good thing. He enlightens us when we are God's children. He illuminates things. He helps us to understand things. Romans 8:16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. This is why when we are saved, when we are truly born again, and we hear messages, there are times then when the word of God comes to us 
There is such a reconciliation in the understanding of it, isn't there? You sit there, and that's why some of us, some of us louder than others, say amen. Or in just a nod of agreement. Because it makes such sense, the word of God. This is a very special thing to us. This is why you can go to countries like Red China and they typify how precious the word of God is by the very fact that in some communities where they have to be so careful, they have one page that may be 30 years old that they read over and over again and are blessed by it because that's all they can get their hands on. That's all they can have. But they cherish it like David said, Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's precious to us. He strengthens us through his spirit. Romans 8.11 But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Scripture after scripture after scripture confirms once a person is truly born again, the moment they're born again. And I emphasize that because this has to take place. Not mere profession, not mere I pray to prayer, but the reality for the truly born again person happens the moment of conversion. The Spirit of God is in us And it is simply a marvelous thing. He comforts us while we're hurting. Because not all times are good. There are times when we go through trials and and, um, there are difficulties in life. Acts 9.31 So the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace and being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit It continued to increase. One of the names that becomes familiar to Christians when they go through affliction is one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. That's one of his primary um, acts in our lives. He's there to comfort us. When we are in difficult times. It's also important as Christians that we do not resist the spirit of God. First Thessalonians 519. Do not quench the spirit. When we take the word resist. What are we really saying as Christians? If the Spirit of God is in us and it's telling us, don't do that. No, you can't have that. No, I have something better for you. But we stubbornly resist the voice of God and we go our way. If we are truly born again and we're... Overall, walking with him, we will sense 
we have quenched the Spirit of God. We will sense that. There will be a lack of peace. And we will want to do whatever is necessary as quick as possible. And here's the marvelous thing about the Spirit of God. When you ask God what's wrong, He'll tell you. He doesn't leave His children in the dark. He will immediately tell you. But if this isn't a first case, or if this isn't the way your life has been led, and if you've been stubborn, and if you've been resisting, and if you hold on to a sin, bitterness. How easy it is to hold on to bitterness. How easy it is to hold on to jealousy. And it goes on and on. If there is a sin in your life, or my life, that we're having a problem with, then maybe it's not so easy anymore to hear the Spirit of God if we're truly born again. That's a horrible place to end up. That is a place you do not want to end up. Because nothing is worth. There's no sin worth breaking the relationship you have with the Savior. There's too much stuff going for us as children of God, as Christians. There's just our lives. He just wants to bless us out of our socks. He really does. And the devil, nine out of ten times, maybe 99 out of 100, or 9,999 out of 10,000, you get the point, isn't the devil's isn't the problem. Moi. Okay? The person we see in the mirror in the morning. There's the person we should look to as responsible for our stubbornness, our stupidness, our rebellion, whatever it may be. That's usually where the problem lies. We should never resist the Spirit of God. A quote, God often comforts us Not by changing the circumstances of our lives, but by changing our attitude towards them. He also empowers our prayers. When we're struggling and we're trying to pray in difficult times, praise be to God that the Spirit of God is there to empower our prayers and get them to our Father. Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he, and he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is the most amazing companion when it comes to the Word of God. And when you don't have it, you're just a mere theologian. You're a mere student of the Word. You can study it all you want. But unless you're truly born again, and sadly today, it's just tragic how many 
theologians, how many schools of theology, how many studies of the Bible are done, led by, and people attending that do not know the Lord as their Lord and Savior. It's just dead knowledge. But he does give us understanding and teaches us and helps us with the word of God. John fourteen twenty six. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said. And all that he has said is right here. A quote. Lord, I would not be a citizen where Jesus is an alien. His pierced hand has loosened the cords that once bound my soul to earth, and now I find myself a stranger in the land. A prince would be more at home in a ghetto than I could ever be in the haunts of sinners. Oh, to wander in such blessed company. I am far more blessed than those who sit on thrones. Spurgeon. Go figure, huh? What a man of God. The wonderful thing, as we've discussed before, about the Spirit of God is he is a helper. Okay? And he will help us when we have erred, when we have sinned. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He'll let you know when you sinned, if you're listening, if you're sensing, if you have that vitality. When Christians, and I say this over and over again, and it's just it's how I relate in my personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. When life is good, and I'm listening to my Lord, and I'm walking with him, I'm telling you, there is literally a spring in my step. There is an enthusiasm in my life, no matter what the circumstances. I, like many of us, for the past few months, have been through some challenging times. But the wonderful thing about affliction is it can bring you closer to him. And you can be aching, you can be, you can be hurting, and you can have a spring in your step. Now, to this world, that is just makes no sense. What are you talking about? But to the believer, as we ache and as we cling to Jesus. There is a joy that's undeniable because of the relationship, because of the Spirit of God in us, no matter what our circumstances. Until we sin. And then things aren't so good. But the moment, the moment we confess and we forsake, comes back the spring in the step, comes back. The joyful reality of our Christian walk. Another marvelous thing about the Spirit of God is he teaches us to forgive and forget. There's the famous old saying, you can pick the person, but 
you can talk to him about forgiveness, and this person says, oh, yeah, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. That is contrary to the scriptures. That is contrary to the mind and the heart of God. And here's the sobering scripture that straightens that all out for the Christian. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind and tender-hearted to one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Think about that. We, you may describe yourself a little different. I'm a filthy, rotten sinner. Praise God, saved by grace. But nonetheless, a good-for-nothing, sinful man but saved by grace. Okay? I'm still a sinner, but I've been saved by grace. He, that is Jesus Christ, is perfect, is holy, is righteous, is creator. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf at Calvary. He who knew no sin could not sin became sin through his sacrifice. He who was perfect, he who was sinless, took our sins, placed them on the cross. He who was perfect without sin. Who here can say we're without sin? But we've been forgiven if we're truly born again. The slate's clean. Our sins are as far as the east is from the west. Can't get to them. Hallelujah. So how do we as Christians decide maybe we can be bitter or angry or not forgive someone? It is the most hypocritical concept on the face of the earth. We can't do it. Do we do it? Yeah. And then long comes the loving hand of God, or in some frame, and lets us know, bam, cuts through it, bam. All the history, all the guck, all the bad stuff, he tells you, let it go. Because what did he say when he was hanging on the cross? What did he say of the Pharisees, the most hypocritical bunch on the face of the earth? The Roman soldiers who had pierced his hands and his feet and were soon to pierce his side. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. So where do we, where do we get off deciding we have the right to hold anger or bitterness or resentment to anyone? Much less God. Do people get angry and bitter with God? Yes. Is there any justification? No. Because all he wants to do is give us a new life. All he wants to do is comfort us. All he wants to do is help us through this life. And if you're out there this morning, you don't know him. Believe me, he is dying to help you. 
He delights in you. He loves you. He does not like your sin anymore. He does ours. But he, he's there and he's wanting to give you the best gift that's there. He wants, to, he's waiting. He's been there since you've been born. He's been waiting for each one of us to turn to him and accept his free gift of eternal salvation. Throw aside all the garbage this world has to offer. All the false religions, all the craziness, because the author and perfecter of every false religion and everything else out there, including there is no God, is the devil. And he has only one goal, and that is to get each and every person to hell. And know this, the minute you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you fall on his enemy list. Newsflash, there's no better place to be than on the devil's enemy list. Amen. Amen. So he teaches us to forgive as he has forgiven. If anybody had the right not to forgive, it would be God. We qualify. We don't deserve. But by golly, he forgave us. What an awesome thing. And again, once we've confessed our sins, he restores us to peaceful fellowship with him. Oh, what a blessing. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be with you all. There is nothing better than that fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Nothing. And we may have a good life and we may enjoy our loved ones. Enjoy our loved ones. Something happened on December 12th, early in the morning. Goodness sakes alive, it changed my life forever. I didn't have a clue. I used to joke with my daughter. She'd say, oh, just wait till we have a kid. You can't wait to take your ah, Take your kids. Who needs them? That little bundle of joy stole, kidnapped, robbed me of my heart. I wake up, I think about her. I go to sleep, I'm thinking about her. There's something wrong when I, as soon as I leave their house, I'm missing her. I'm telling you, I love that little package like crazy. It's not that I didn't love my kids, I do. But this is different. If you're grandparents, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's ruthless. It's diabolically designed by God to confuse the mind. It's unbelievable. But nonetheless, there's such adoration, there's such love there. And you know what? As much as I love that little girl, as much as she's the most precious thing as I look upon her, and see the many photos on my walls already. But compared to the way God loves each and every one of us, it doesn't parallel. It doesn't come close. It isn't a close second. It isn't a far away second. It's, it's, it's unmeasurable. His love for us is just incredible. And when we don't turn to him, his heart Aches because there's so much he wants to give each and every one of us as a Christian. And then once we're Christians, 
We break his heart when we get stubborn. We break his heart when we fall in sin. We break his heart when we turn from him. We break his heart when we get cold, when the spirit of God is in us and just wanting every second and imploring, come back. And that's why we desire as Christians to serve whatever the category, whatever we do in the church. There's just that desire to do that. And he's there to help us. We have our own agenda as Christians. We say, oh, I'd like to do this and I'd like to do that and I'd like to do that. But he has in all simplicity and he knows our makeup. He knows what we can handle and he impresses upon us and upon others. This is what I'd like to see you do for me. This is all. And so many will be surprised when they get to heaven because we think of Billy Graham and the rewards that are there of his, and I'm not denying there won't be there. I mean, I heard a figure the other day that just boggled my mind. He has preached to over 210 million souls in his lifetime. But here's the newsflash. If you have something of all simplicity that you do genuinely, happily for the Lord, you're going to be shocked when you get to heaven. You're going to be shocked at your reward. Maybe even surprised. Because he appreciates those who do things for him. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and 11. But to each one is given manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. There you have it. So whatever you aspire to, commit it to him. And then lovingly and and warmly accept whatever he gives you to do for him. He gives us purpose and dedication for our walk and inspiration for our life. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of God, of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that on the, that it is not your own? There's a little stumbling block sometimes. We are no longer our own. That's why there's no room in Christianity for lone rangers. I've actually seen Christians call themselves that. What they really have is a problem with a rebellious spirit, and they're going to decide what they're going to do and where they're going to do, and as they hop, 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 hop from church to church through their life, and nothing really ever gets done. Our lives are no longer our own. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. And what was that price? His precious blood at Calvary. There's nothing more precious on the face of the earth than his blood. In conclusion, I want to read some comments to you. I want you to think about these. We are really the most blessed people on this earth as Christians. We can't expect the world to agree with us on this because they look at life completely different. The great fact that the Spirit of God dwells in us 
separates us to such a degree that our principles, our beliefs, and our conduct appear foolish to this present world. Everything the world is based on mere intellect. Of all the sins that are in the world, none is bigger than the sin of pride. It's rampant in this present world. Pride alone has caused wars, breakups, marriages, collapse. Physical, mental, and monetary goals that bring success are what people are judged by. It is what the world lives for and strives for. A Christian may very well attain some of these goals, but unlike the world, we take no glory in them. Because we realize that it was God who helped us to attain them. In response, we are simply thankful. This display of humanity, humility, excuse me, provokes the world because it can't understand it. Also, many Christians never attain any of the world's prideful expectations, and yet they are so very thankful for their lives. And are so content, this just makes no sense to this present world. As Christians, we need to ask ourselves, are we content knowing that we have such a companion to help us every day of our lives along this journey to the celestial city? Amen? Let's bow and pray. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed, just before we pray, I want to extend the opportunity to anyone who's here maybe visiting with us, someone who may have been a member here for a while. If what you've heard today causes you trouble instead of a blessing, if you're looking at your life and you don't see in your life what we've been talking about in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, as it's been described this morning. If you realize that you're really not saved, if you realize that you haven't been saved, but you can see the goodness of God this morning, we would just ask, I would ask, no one else is looking, that you would just take a moment today and make a decision for him. In accepting him, I can guarantee you your life will never be the same. Your life will be blessed. You'll be freed from the struggles that has been in your life. You will experience peace like you've never known. So if there's anyone here this morning who would like to pray, you would like me to pray for you, you would like someone to pray along with you, simply raise your hand. Take a moment. 
if there's anyone here. If you're a Christian here this morning and you realize life should be better than it is, my conduct hasn't been worthy of the Savior. If you'd like me to pray for you silently, simply slip up your hand. Amen. 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 Is there anyone else? You're just moments away from restoration as a believer. You can regain that joy. You can regain how wonderful this life is. Just slip your hand up. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you this morning. And as we pray before, we pray if there's anyone here that needs you in their life, that needs to come into the saving knowledge, let them not leave this morning before they take a moment and speak with Adel or Sylvia and open their heart to them. It will be the greatest blessing of their life. And for those who, Lord, raise their hand just this day, restore them as you have promised. Let them confess, let them forsake, and let them just have times of refreshment again, times of fellowship with the Holy Spirit that indwells us. And we thank you for this gift which you've given us, Lord. We thank you for again for this day which you have made. In Jesus' name. Amen.